You're listening to the Trans Narrative Podcast. The Trans Narrative Podcast is dedicated to fostering a safe and inclusive space for the trans community. It provides a platform for trans individuals to connect, share their stories, and find support within their own community. Join me, Caroline Penny, Maria Lackey, Dina Fermakis, Lucy Balzano, and the rotating panel of gender-diverse co-hosts as we strive to create a place where trans voices are heard and celebrated. The Trans Narrative Podcast may contain explicit material, sensitive topics, and discussion. Trigger warnings are provided in advance. Welcome back to the Trans Narrative Podcast. I'm Caroline Penny, and today I'm joined by Aria Lackey and Lucy Balzano. And returning as guest co-host, it's a vocal coach, Brittany Farrell, as we meet with our special guest, who's also a vocal coach, Ash Zvonim. Ash is a classically trained singer and voice coach who focuses on vocal coaching for the trans community. She's currently teaching with Modulation Institute, an online voice coaching group, and today, we're so lucky to have her here. Hey everyone, welcome to the Trans Narrative Podcast, where we shift the trans narrative to more inclusive and representative space, with an emphasis on accessibility, intersectionality, inclusion, diversity, and equity. We explore a variety of topics related to the queer community, and by building empathetic bonds through shared conversation and meaningful discourse, we are able to elevate often marginalized voices. This is the Trans Narrative Podcast. It's so good to have everyone here. And before we get started, for those that haven't heard the show before, let's go around the room and I'll introduce each other. I'm Caroline, director of the Trans Narrative Podcast. So good to have everyone here, as I said. And I uh, I love podcasting, so I'm just really glad to have this platform for all of us to share our stories and our perspectives and help shift the trans narrative to a more inclusive and representative space. And Lucy, it's so good to, to be here with you again. I haven't seen you in a while. I know, I've been busy, you know, torturing in hell, all that good stuff. And as usual, I'm fantasy come reality, especially being here. Yeah. Does climate change have an effect in hell at all? I mean, y'all are just catching up to us, you know. It's hot. I imagine it's very hot. What are oh, you, Paris Hilton? That's hot. It's hot, yeah. That's yes, hot. it is. Aria, Aria Lackey, it's so Hello. good to have you here. Yeah, it's been a while since we've been here. All three of us, actually, it's been a long time. Uh, so I'm really excited to just to be here with all you, all of you again. So, hi, Aria. For those Hello. that don't know, though, for those that don't know who you are, could you let the world know who you are? I am Aria Lackey. I am reality come fantasy. <laughs> um, I, I, uh, like I was saying before we started recording, I did a lot of uh, yelling at a very loud club last night. So I am blessed to have this opportunity to sit down with two vocal coaches who can tell me how to like make the the rasp work for me. That's right. We are we are joined by two vocal coaches, but one of them has been here before with us. Brittany Farrell was here with us a few episodes ago with Moth 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 and Nikita Ramkinson. Brittany, hi, welcome back. It's so good to have you here. Hi, Caroline. It's so nice to be here. It's nice to meet new people. And I had such a lovely time on the show last time. So thank you for having me back. Well, it's so good to have you back. Thanks for being here. And our special guest, Ash Zvonim. Hi. 
Welcome. Welcome to the trans narrative. I'm so glad to have you. Hi, Carolyn. Thanks for having me. Yes. Thanks for being here. So um, could you, before we get started, tell us a little bit about who you are, Ash? Yeah, uh, I uh, am. Oh, sorry. My brain is terrible sometimes. I was a music education uh, student for a while. <laughs> it took me longer than I would have liked. Uh, and then I graduated just in time for a pandemic to hit. So yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm going to be I'm going to be a choir teacher. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Moved states. And then everything went away for a while. <laughs> I did actually end up uh, teaching as a choir teacher in a substitute position long term while uh, the primary teacher was off on paternity leave. And that was a wonderful opportunity uh, and gave me a nice up close look of public schools. And then I decided I didn't want to be in public schools. <laughs> Wow. So pivoted to teaching uh, voice lessons for primarily trans individuals. So Ash, I think I had found you, I think I found you on a TikTok and I think you um, are part of an organization, if I'm not mistaken, that's called the Modulation Institute. That is correct. Uh, it's run by um, Allison. She's lovely. Um, she, uh, Allison Beaver, give, her, give you her full name. Um, uh, she started Modulation Institute. Um, she was running it kind of just on her own. And uh, I saw she was partnered with one of our local uh, wellness centers as a Wild Ferns Wellness Center um, to center on helping uh, primarily queer individuals, um, trying to be that queer inclusive space uh, in the uh, capital area of Michigan. Uh, I saw she was partnered with them, and I was like, "Hey, are you? Do, do you want to hire me? <laughs> do you want to hire me? I, I could teach." That's so interesting. I love that. And your background is in music education, and you can you tell us a little more about that? Yeah, uh, I went to initially Michigan State for music education on a trumpet, and had a really rough time of it. Uh, MSU is wonderful, uh, but. The um, trumpet teacher was retiring that year, like at the end of that year. So he was he was checked out and uh, it was like kind of just like getting his like little his I say his little his grad student ducklings. He was like, yeah, I'm going to make sure that you guys are all like said. But I was like a freshman waddling in. It was just like, I don't care about you. <laughs> was that during uh, the scandal era? Didn't they just have like some scandals a couple years back? Uh, I think it was before. I think it was right before uh, my, my sense of timelines is all messed up. Yeah. So in, oh. sorry, Lisa, go ahead, please. No, nope, no, nope. go ahead. I was going to make a joke. I was going to be, I was going to make a Mandela uh, effect joke, but carry on fearless leader. Oh gosh, please. Golly jeepers. That's not okay. Well, Ash, so we're uh, an adult rated show and we're using little, Evidence from the 40s? What? Well, no, it's funny. It's funny oh, because I it's it's funny because I use those things. I'll be like, oh jolly jeepers, what the fuck? Like I'll curse while <laughs> using them those same I know, it's fun. I like Good it. Golly so, gosh, son of a bitch. I'm like I'm like, gosh golly, what in the Just fuck like, is happening? Oh, well, I like that too. That's it's a good short. one. But... It's sweet. It's to the point. Oh, sh oh motherfucker. Yes. Oh, I know. I know. I like to have fun. So anyhow, golly so as holy ground Jehoshaphat. Oh, uh, gosh. So, Ash, how did your music education lead you to becoming a vocal coach? Where did that, in that timeline, where did that happen? 
so uh really, in this one. Well, so I uh went, did that like long term uh position, uh teaching choir. Uh was having a pretty good time, but you know, that has a finite expiration date on it. Um ended up becoming a secretary for a little while in public schools and was like, oh, this place is a mess. I'm gonna go somewhere else. <laughs> um and ended up uh it was in like that following year so it was 2022 it was yeah it was last may <laughs> um it was like early last year i was like emailing allison uh and then may is when i got finalized and started doing lessons in earnest so you are a vocal coach certified vocal coach right certified's a word for it i have a music education degree i have a teaching certificate <laughs> i know somebody that also has a background in music education and who also is a vocal coach i introduced them earlier it's Brittany farrell hi Brittany again so i think it's so cool that we've gotten you both here together in the same room i it's like i i don't know i've ever since lucy told me to lift my atoms up it took me a year but i don't think it's showing and like i i was i lifted it up here and i held my finger and i I continue to do that because I thought that's what I, you know, because when I found out hormones don't change your voice uh, for trans women, I, I was uh, very upset about that. So I've been um, hyper fixating, learning off the record, not officially, because uh, I can't afford vocal training. Uh, so I hope I'm doing okay. But this really is an honor to have both of you here, Brittany and Ash, two vocal coaches. I can't imagine what kind of questions that you have, Brittany for Ash, because I, I'm sure there's so much shared experience in this type of field, especially having very similar degrees. It's, I just, I get, I, this is so exciting. So this is, I'm just so grateful. Thanks for being here, both of you. Yeah, thanks again for having me back. Actually, I, I don't want to stir the pot already, but I have a couple things that you've already got me, me thinking on that I love Ash's, you know, um, engagement and collaboration with but the first thing is is this you know the titles in our field and how there is no certifying body so i mean other than having a degree which doesn't a, a, de a degree doesn't qualify you for anything just by having a degree um actually teaching licenses are like one of the only you know certification specific things you can have in our field um and you can get into school without a teaching license so um but anyway the point is um maybe like the term vocal coach and i'm curious what what ash thinks about that but i also want to plant the seed i would love to talk about the adam's apple thing i think it's um pretty controversial actually um so i'm really okay i'm really curious what ash thinks i definitely have my own opinions on it but um i don't know which maybe you can spin off of whichever of those sounds interesting you or however you want to respond oh i could rant for ages about uh like fixation on things that are happening in our throat because uh when when we get to pitch work which is usually like, the last thing i do with anyone that i'm working with because it's just like the least gender euphoria and the most work um yes. like so much tension to work out but it's like uh even when we're getting into manipulating r1 and we're like okay yeah we're, what's like what's your larynx doing um it's it's always i'm always trying to like push it to like metaphors basically or just anything that takes their mind off of their throat because the moment we focus on our throat we like tense up and we just like just like we introduce all kinds of tension that are not accomplishing necessarily what we're aiming for and just makes that voice like 
experience that much more fatigue. It'd be that much less, uh, that much less longevity. Yeah. Uh, totally. I, I agree with you. I want to, maybe for the people that don't know what R1 is, do you want to? Yeah, I can do a quick little rundown. Um, yeah, there's different. So sound at its core uh, has like a fundamental pitch, which we call the pitch. If you're like matching it on a, like a piano or something or your guitar, and you're like, okay, I'm playing this note. That's the pitch. But there's also other sounds kind of nested inside because sound waves can add together, which means that they can coexist with each other. Um, and the presence of those other frequencies is what kind of gives a sound its timbre, gives its like quality. It's the reason that when you hit that piano note and then you go, ah, and you're like matching it, you don't sound like the piano. Like you're like, okay, there's something that's the same there, but you still sound like a person, not like a piano. Um, and the ways that we like affect that has to do with like the spaces that we're allowing sound to go through. Um, generally speaking, like big spaces favor longer wavelengths, lower frequencies, and vice versa, small spaces, high frequencies, and so on. Um, and R1 refers to the space like between our larynx and our pharynx. It's like this like space back here. And as we if we open it up, we get this like darker, like we generally like code this as like a more masculine quality, but it's only one of many masculine qualities. Or we can bring the larynx up and then R1 becomes smaller. And because it's a smaller space, it favors those higher formants in general. <laughs> there's, there's a whole lot of complexity to it, but broadly speaking. And we code that as a more feminine sound, which we call brightness. Um, but this sometimes gets boiled down to just like move the larynx, but fixating on like moving the larynx around leads us to like adjusting like muscles in our neck that aren't even necessarily contributing to where the larynx is positioned. Mm -hmm. And then that tension kind of bleeds like all muscles in our body when we tense them up, either because of like leverage or just sort of a sympathetic reaction, the muscles around them tense up. So the more we tense up trying to make something happen, the more we get like these like secondary tensions that just get in the way. Um, it comes yeah, and I, would like to, I would like to add, it wasn't just, oh, just do this one thing. It was more along the lines of like, oh, if you're having an issue here, try starting here. Um, and that's more for just control and learning. Uh, to me, it was more like the social aspect behind voices, because we all know that it's not just how you sound, but also, you know, the words that you say that can also help attribute to one's passability in voices. Lucy had mentioned they had called it called they what did you call it cadence you called it cadence mm -hmm. and you yeah, said that, I I... that like, there's a cadence to the way people speak and in many instances there's like social norms as to like what is uh, a cadence of, or uh, what would be like more feminine versus more masculine you'll also see that in other languages as well yeah it's us. It's definitely one of the like very interesting aspects of voice work is finding like how where that where that cadence where like what's your pitch doing over the course of a sentence how are your sounds sort of flowing together how what words do you use to like bridge those sounds all of that um, and it all being very like culturally dependent yeah. Um, also, like, it has like a big impact. Yeah, I took um, Renee Yoxon's, uh they're a trans voice teacher, they operate in Montreal, um, and they have a lovely course, but I think one of the things that I really loved about it the most was hearing like a variety of perspectives on people going like, this is in like the culture that I call home, this is like what the like qualities, especially like cadence, um, are like associated with like masculine versus feminine. 
um, like especially in like communities where like immigration is like a significant like aspect where it's like it's not just like okay what does like masculine or feminine sound like in Mexico City it's like what does it sound like in this town in Texas mm-hmm. I'll just so, pop it oh sorry no Brittany please what were you going to say <laughs> Yeah, no, I did. Well, first of all, great job explaining. I kind of threw you under the bus, like explain what R1 is. And you did a great job <laughs> explaining a complex concept with simple language. And we actually talked about it um, on the last episode. And I talked about, I use a, a visual that I guess I don't want to say I've created it, but I did create this visual of like the a gender voice triangle, um, thinking about pitch, resonance, and vocal weight as like three different components um and i guess i will also say i think even the cadence part of it which in so you know i'm a licensed speech language pathologist and it's hard not to me go it's hard not to go into like the clinical the clinical aspect of it but even even cadence or the what we call the pragmatic aspects of language i still think that those are a controversial topic because if you have a feminine pitch and a feminine resonance but you're using like maybe a little bit less um flowing speech and more rhythmic choppy speech like if i turn my speech to more choppy and i articulate more intensely and even if i darken my resonance just a little bit you're probably still going to type my voice as feminine even if i change my pragmatics to be more direct i don't elaborate as much i just say what i want to say <laughs> you know so i don't know. i think it's all fascinating how how many different opinions there can be on one thing anyway and well and how it reflects um just kind of like the nature of passing in general where it's like it's all of these like cues that it's like once you hit a critical mass of them that's like how like we're so primed um just by like our the sort of broad strokes mainstream socialization of our society to like put people into a box and you're like yep okay you go in this box and you go in this box and trying to do that off of like the minimal number of cues possible and you know, that yeah, you can't passing. cut out the um, uh, what is it? The nuance of certain things, like in your example, when you were making your sentences short and choppy. In some instances, yeah, there's there's like reason behind it, and it's more due to like nuance, like prefacing a sentence before utilizing a term. I know. Um, I know. Early in my transition, I had a whole bunch of voice dysphoria. I still do, but less so. But I, I remember um, in the early days, I would um, talk very, very quietly, so quietly that people constantly, constantly be asking me what and huh. And um, for a while, I just compensated by talking less. So um, uh, that kind of goes into a question I have for either of you or both of you. Um, what? Um, how does the uh, psychological aspect of voice dysphoria play into your work exactly? Ooh, I have a great answer for that. Uh, <laughs> a significant chunk of like early work uh, with people is like, I, like I have people do yawn size, which is the thing that like choirs like do all the time. So it's like, oh, like just like just start making noises. We're just gonna start making noises. They can be ridiculous. We'll do silly noises. Um, and this actually kind of leads into this like other hurdle that we hit um, that is our voice that we're hearing, right? Like everyone hates the sound of their own voice recorded because the voice they're hearing is like a very specific kind of distortion. 
as we're hearing a voice, as it makes its way through flesh and bone and whatever up to our ears, we get a little bit of our voice coming out to air and coming back to us, but obviously no one else is getting the flesh and bone distortion. They're just getting air. Um, so getting comfortable, like not caring so much about what the voice sounds like in our head initially, um, and being willing to like push those boundaries, um, especially because like we're asking usually people to do things with like their musculature that they like just haven't done before. If they're not like accustomed to doing like impressions or whatever, they're like, yeah, I have my voice and it does the things that it does. And I never ask it to do anything else. Um, being willing to push those boundaries and even learning how to push them can be like quite a step asking someone to do something entirely new. It's like, you know, um, so silly noises, silly noises, getting people comfortable. It's like, yeah, um, like a really early one we're working on resonance. I'll have people say it's like uh, this This one I just fully cribbed from Renee Ox and it's going key. Oh, which is some great sounds um, because you have like really bright uh, vowels on key and then really dark vowel on O. And then you can be like, OK, apply it. Key. Oh, and then I like shoot for the cutesiest over the top, like cherubic, like ridiculous, like saccharine sound. Yeah, basically, if the, if they have that like cultural touch point, like that's a great one. It's like, yeah, go over the top. And I'll tell you when you I tell you when you get to like too much, and they never do. Totally, and I definitely have a lot of patients early in their process that are kind of hiding behind vocal fry or just like being super quiet, and and that creates like strain on its own, right? And it's sad to see someone hiding their voice so much because it's so painful to to let it out and i really do think we talked about this maybe a little bit last time um i read the book the science of stuck a couple months ago and it really got me thinking about how important it is to let yourself stay stuck in things if it's allowing you to process and work through something because like you're saying ashley this is all about playing with the voice and creating different sounds and if you're not in a playful mood if you're all about work and no play voice work is really hard like if you're not willing to play with sounds and try different things out and be vulnerable it's going to be really really hard to get a result and sometimes you're just not in that vulnerable playful place and my thought would be that's not a good place to start voice work like you need to start at the mental health um point yeah, one I... of the things that I've been uh, like really hoping to use more here is uh, in our uh, we have a modulation institute Discord, which is free to join. Like, it's just open to anyone who can follow a link. Um, it's on our uh, web page. Um, but uh, I've been meaning to run, and I'm looking to organize these soon, um, like TTRPG sessions, so that people can like make characters and like get in that like role playing like mindset where it's like, this isn't my voice. This is a character voice. <laughs> I don't have to worry about it sounding perfect and having that like freedom to like explore like new spaces. It's just a tool that I really love and I want to use it more. I had a, I had a friend, we were, um, when I talk about the podcast, I, I think of um, the radio presence and how to like enunciate words and how to broadcast your expressions. And so I, I, I thought of this analogy. I thought it was, it was cutesy. So I think of like that movie, dirty dancing, where like Patrick Swayze is like, you know, molding the, um, that clay pot. And, and so I like to think of like words as like the clay pot and my vocals to be the hands that mold 
the words. And so like, it's really fun to just create different ways of saying things. And like, for me, I do voiceovers for the show. So, you know, when I say different people's names or there's, depending on the intro, depending on the background, there's just different ways to to say things. And, and, you know, we don't want to be monotone. And I've learned to try to create expression to the words. So like, I use my hands a lot. So I, I, I I create the, or I, I, I try to put emotion the words. So like, one of the things I learned with Cadence was that, like, I think Lucy had said, we're like, cis men will be like, I'm going to the grocery store. And then, like, typical cis men would be like, I'm going to the grocery store. Like, there's emphasis on the, on the, it's, it's like energy. There's, there's cadence. There's, there's expression. There's meaning. There's emotion. And that's something well, that I like to think of when I, when I, when I do the show is I, I, I ensure to, to play. I like to play with words. And it's kind of just touching on, I just had that analogy of the clay being the, the words and the hands being the vocal parts. Yeah, I, beautiful. I was more referring to like the way you're saying things. Like there's socially acceptable words that men and women use differently, which is weird because it's like, why are we gendering words? But other languages do it as well. So I remember before I came out, I, I was really, really, really bad at code switching yeah i i would do it unintentionally in circumstances where it came off very strange to the people around me and it got acknowledged a few times um part of the problem was um that i was i was very insecure about my uh want to transition so i would masculinize my voice in a lot of circumstances but um every once in a while i would let i would let the facade down especially if i had a few drinks or if I felt uh, comfortable around somebody and the, the femme side of my voice would come out and people would be like, why, why, why are you yeah. talking like that? Why are you... And then, and then <laughs> I, would, I, I would get embarrassed and try and find my baritone again. I was like, oh, huh, sorry, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was more like the syntax. Like sometimes I'd be like, oh, I gotta go tinkle. And they'd be like, like I remember I was in a group of dudes and like one of them, uh, a, a fellow black person was like, literal wording was, Nigga, did you just say you want to go tinkle? And I'm like, oh, oh, sorry. I mean, I gotta go take a piss. Well, and this this also ties into sorry. Um, this also ties into the concept of inner voice. So when you still hear like a masculine voice inside your head, but you want it to be feminine on the outside. So there's so much inner work that has to happen for that outside oh voice to reflect. Oh my god, maybe that's why it's working for me because I don't hear. I hear like it's so. I love that. That's awesome. I used to pretend when I was like seventh grade, I'd be like, oh my God, guess what? My one friend, I can pretend to sound gay. I'd be like, oh my God, guess what? And then everybody else would be like, what are you doing? You're not even doing anything. And I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, you sound the same. And I'm like, no. They said I sounded like a gay cowboy. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) What a great movie. One of my favorites. So I, I, Voices. I I used to pretend when I was a young child um, in the early um, ages of the earlier decades. Uh, I would I would like have a cassette player. I would back pretend in, I was the two thousand and eight. No, it was two thousand four. No, I'm kidding. But um, two thousand and late. I, I um I used a cassette player and I would record myself. I'd I'd play Cool in the Gang from um it'd be like celebrate. And I'd, I'd listen to the radio DJs on the in the city that I lived in. And so I'd come back in. I'd be like, welcome back to the radio station tagline. You're listening to the blah, blah, blah. And I would 
I'd record that. So if I can find a cassette player, I can play the thing and I can hear my 12 year old self pretending to be a radio personality. So Ash, I wanted to know, so you're, you know, you do a lot of vocal coaching and you're part of the modulation Institute. So what are some of the ways that the modulation Institute um, works to create an inclusive and representative space for, for everyone, because not all voices are the same and not all techniques will work for everyone. So how do you create that inclusive space for, for all of us to feel welcomed? Um, so I can't speak for all of the teachers, but I can speak to my own methodology. Um, definitely like consultations, very, very important. It's like a time to discuss like kind of what someone's looking for in the broad strokes, but beyond that, also keeping that conversation going, um, the, like the ongoing discussion of like, okay, what are we aiming for? What's, what are your personal goals? What do you want to sound like? Um, another thing I've cribbed from Nayaxon, uh, branded vocal inspiration, which is just, you know, what do you want, what do you want to sound like? Uh, especially, um, pulling like recognizable voices that like, especially if there's like recordings, um, like public figures. And I was like, okay, what, do you hear something in their voice that you like? Cause we can identify that, like isolate it and just like pluck it out and, apply it to your own voice if you want um and have that be our own like smaller goal um yeah and just like, keeping that conversation rolling being just always like what do you want um a so lot of... oh go ahead no i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt i well, so what are some of the ways for those that aren't able to uh be able to access you know vocal training and uh, things like that what are some of the ways that those that are wanting to either feminize or masculinize or just completely like create a voice that's um, androgynous, that's a mix of both. What what are some of the tips and techniques that you would offer to some of um, somebody like that that would you know not be able to access vocal coaching? Ooh, if someone, if they didn't have access to a vocal coach, um, if we're just like seeking gender euphoria and there are going to be hurdles that come up that will just be kind of difficult to navigate on one's own, but um, using recording as a very like precise tool um, because we don't get to like we're hearing that distortion of our voice so we don't really know what that sounds like or we don't know what our voice sounds like um we can kind of hear it back like through other people we're like okay does this sound good and they're like uh. <laughs> um so using recording to specifically like try different things that are like well outside of our like normal comfortable speaking zone um and comparing them and being like okay what are things i can change about my voice what are things that i have control over and start working from there it's still going to be it's going to still going to be an uphill battle doing that alone um not having the guidance to like isolate specific vocal qualities and be like this is how you control them um but it's certainly a step and by putting two different like recordings back to back like that by taking the time to be like okay i'm gonna I, i'm gonna do a more masculine coded voice okay i'm gonna shoot for what i feel is feminine and put them back to back and you go like okay i can hear the difference I can find the gender euphoria in that uh, compared to just recording our voice and then listening back to it and going, oh, I didn't like that. I didn't like that <laughs> at all. When we just when we just do one thing and then we listen back to it, we're inviting like holistic judgment of our voice. We're like, okay, I'm going to listen to the whole thing and find all the things I don't like, uh, mm -hmm. which is why everyone hates the sound of your recorded voice. No, I love mine. That's why I do a podcast. I always said as a kid, you love the sound of your own voice. And I said, no, that couldn't be. So then I made a podcast. So I can listen to myself all the time. Hundreds of hours of me getting to listen back to my own voice and say, well, next episode, I'll make sure to to pitch that or say that differently or enunciate that differently. So I, I'll lucky to get this opportunity to just do 
the hat all the time. <laughs> or you have a kink that you just haven't told us about. Like maybe you like the punishment of listening to your own voice. No, it's fine. It's mostly because I, I like I like listening to you, Lucy. Ooh. So then why are you so far away? I like listening to Lucy too. But um I I, I had a question. So Caroline had uh brought up um about uh hormone therapy, how um the your voice doesn't get feminized by HRT if you're a trans woman the same way it gets masculinized if you're a trans man. Um, and both of you have brought up like the cultural aspects of voices and how we culturally coat masculine voices versus feminine voices. So I, I'm just curious, how important is the biological aspect of, of voices like, um, for instance, could, could you train a James Earl Jones to talk like a cis woman? Yes. Good. Okay. Uh, oh my God. The, so, um, the like primary influence that we're like going to know from the influence of like testosterone on the voice is the like lowering in the like pitches or like fundamental pitch that we're going to like have access to. But, there's a lot of overlap uh, between what we like perceive as cis like femme sounds and cis mask sounds in terms of just pitch. Like those ranges, um, like have something like uh, as it was like pitched to me, and this has more or less been borne out um, with most of the trans femmes that I work with. Uh, that there's an overlap of like a major third or so. Like it's like there's a significant overlap in there where. Um, the pitch isn't really even giving you much of like a gendered it's not a gender cue in and of itself it's everything else that we're cribbing from to be like okay yeah that like my voice is in here it's relatively bright or i can take this voice and add some darkness to it and have that you know that that cadence that's like a little bit shorter a little bit more direct this will still be read as masculine even though it's further up in my range uh my range for what it's worth can go down here sits very low um and personal journey of uh going through that music education degree and singing like nonstop and being like ah yes i am aiming for the low notes um, one of our yeah. um i'm sorry Dan, one of my previous one of our previous guests was um a broadway actress marla alpert they're uh, a tiktok a tiktoker and broadway actress and um they have a beautiful voice and they talk a lot about having to train their voice to a point where it's cis passing um and i kind of just wanted to like lean into to that and kind of talk about that concept of cis passing because really it's it's here for safety purposes uh otherwise you know we could be free to be ourselves if it wasn't for the fact that if we didn't if our voices didn't match our appearance we wouldn't we mean you know oftentimes um they they often did that in the early 2000s where they would they would have trans women and they would use very deep voices to make a mockery and make it they did that on them the drake and josh nickelodeon network they did that with them a scene where they had a trans woman with a deep voice and they played onto that so i guess wanted to kind of talk about that that ideology cis passing and how that affects your work in vocal coaching it's kind of, it's, it's kind of frustrating um it's just the I don't want to be the gender police for anyone, but plenty of people will arrive to lessons and be like, no, I want you to be the gender police, please. 
uh, I want you to tell me when my voice is like in the ballpark of passing and like when, how are we going to like keep pushing towards that? Cause that's their own personal goal, um, which is, which is difficult, of course. Um, well, and I'm sure you probably get those people who don't want to try because they're along the lines of, well, I have this big, deep voice. And there's no way I'll get it up to, uh, you know, more uh, high femme type uh, style. Like people um, who are going to try because they, you know, they, they just don't believe that it's possible, even though it is. I haven't run into that so much. Usually by the time someone's coming for lessons, they at least have to believe that they can get there. <laughs> um, and because of like the, the ordering of like the way that I structure my lessons to get gender euphoria as quickly as possible, even if it's not quite target voice, we can get something that's like close enough that it's like, oh, I'm, we're starting to cook with gas. We can, we can do this. Um, which is actually why I always push pitch to the end of lessons. It's it's um, not the end of any given lesson, but like it's, it comes later in the lessons. We set like an early, just kind of like androgynous pitch, and then from there, we're like okay, we'll we'll touch we'll we'll get back to this later. <laughs> Don't worry about it too much now. Yeah, and I'll just toss in as well. We talked about this on the last episode, but because I work in. Um, a surgical center where we perform the Wendler glottoplasty, which even in the last five years has been pretty controversial. Um, but the the attending physician at our site, um, there might be some background noise coming from yeah, somewhere. Is that mine? So, um, the attending physician is one of the best in the world for performing this procedure. And I said this on the last podcast, and Ash, I would love to know your thoughts, but a lot of the patients that come to our center are the patients that have a fundamental frequency that is in like the low hundreds, like it's really, really low and biologically like manipulating that structure structure to sit even in like a high androgynous range causes so much tension for a lot of these um, patients. And it's also a question of stimulability and coordination, motor coordination. And so I've seen this really interesting diversity of the patients that come for behavioral voice work, they're actually really stimulable, really capable. They know how to access different parts of their voice. The patients that come for surgery, they kind of already know that they don't have a lot of that motor coordination, and it does take a ton of motor coordination to shift the voice. Um, so I don't know where I was going with that, but I just thought I'd toss in. I think there is a whole other population of trans people that know that they don't have that motor coordination and they won't seek out the behavioral voice um, modification because they don't think they're capable of it. And they might not actually be, they might not have that coordination. In my opinion and in my experience where I've worked like 10, 15, 20 sessions with a person and it's just like not there and surgery is such a great, um, complement and alternative for that sort of stuff. I don't know what your thoughts are, but. Uh, I mean, I'm certainly not an expert on surgery. I mostly just like during like, uh, or like anatomy rundown that I always do at like the very front end of lessons, just so people know what all the big moving parts are. Um, I'll talk about like, what are the influence of hormones on the voice and, uh, like the uh, like larynx like ossification and how what does that mean why does it matter to you um and then when I get to surgeries I'm just like eh, vocal surgeries are all pretty scary <laughs> what does the larynx what is so you brought so I, I I've been wanting to ask because I'm I'm super into like DYI vocal training 
like you say i will eye surgery like how do i how do i like what you say move the larynx so like because i noticed that you like because when i was learning a little bit from my googling uh there's this concept to where like you put your hand on your chest and so like if you hear vibration then you're not you're you're not you're masculizing uh too much because cis men typically speak in chest and then they say that that cis women speak in the head but it's important not to sound like you're an air balloon Okay, like, so, so, so much, I know some misinformation. Let's clear it up. I, I have so many thoughts about this. Uh, what, uh, most people speak in their chest voice. Uh, the, like these, these are registers. Um, call if, in technical terminology, it's the T A or C T dominant voices. But um, <laughs> relatively few people speak in their head voice um, or like stay in their head voice. They're not like centered there. Um, they might like go up there for a little bit um, if they're comfortable with that like registration fluency. But um, like uh, for, for demonstration, head voice is like this sound, chest voice is this sound. Then you could have like a little like you could flip sort of between them as like a thing you do. But most people don't spend their time speaking up here because it has like it's a thinner sound it's a little harder to project and when you do project it tends to turn into like classical singing it sounds very like operatic um go straight yeah we we actually talked we said the same i i love that we come from two different areas of the country and we're using like pretty similar language and i'm so excited about that because we said the exact same thing on the last show caroline i think we talked about it again and i said no everybody speaks in their chest voice their lower register um we, we do use different terminology like in my yeah we don't call them like t-a-c-t dominant anymore but that's not it doesn't matter so i know what you're talking about same concept yeah. um but caroline what was your question about like were you asking about raising the larynx or surgery or yeah so i noticed that ash had changed registers so i wanted to know how you, you had did how you did that because oh you, you mean when you, i did this when i did when you saw yeah when you spoke like that this is, like how so, you lift it so <laughs> this is just pitch like this is what i'm yeah. like, primarily changing there is pitch um which like everyone has their own range for but i trained classically as a singer so I spent a lot of time learning to negotiate pitch um, and like just navigate that in general. Mm. Um, what So what you're referring to when you like are talking about like feeling it in your chest is our, as I mentioned earlier, those like low frequencies like long, like big spaces or realistically long spaces. Our ribs are nice, like long structures. Our lungs are like very open compared to everything else. So the low frequencies just live here longer. It's the same reason that when you go to a concert and you like have that like thumping bass or whatever, like that low end and like EDM, you feel it reverberate in your chest because that's the structures that support that sound the most. Um that's just like a that's like a little quibble thing. Uh that like right. that's that's what that is referring to. Is like, oh yeah, you feel it in your chest. It's like, oh yeah, you're just probably it's it's another way to check in with your pitch if you don't necessarily have an ear for it, because not everyone does. Okay, so lots of words, lots of words here that are being said that maybe not all of us um don't remember from we don't remember from music class pitch and resonance and cadence and and all of these. Can we like do like a really quick rundown of like what these terms are so that we can be more um knowledgeable all of us on these terms because when you say pitch because you say pitch and tone like I, like i'm trying to think about myself and i'm like pitch okay what is like what is my 
pitch is that like do re mi fa is that like the is that what, yes is that's that... that's exactly the do re mi fa sol la ti do ti la sol fa mi re do those, oh all of those all those like that we have a little syllable for solfege uh are are our, like those are our pitches um in like western classical tradition there's 12 pitch classes but we don't really need to get into that if you hit a thing on a piano and then you like sing that note that's your pitch is like the name of that okay um mathematically it's a frequency right this is how how many like peaks and troughs do we get within a second yeah like uh measuring your peaks and valleys per unit of time okay and so I, that's like it's, oh sorry lucy oh no i was gonna say that for me the biggest issue is when you start going over to like uh stem stuff and then listening sometimes it messes me up because i'll be like hitch what and then i'll start thinking like test equipment measurements so for me that's like the hardest part is whenever i'm experiencing something involving anything involving sound i have to like remember like what format to use I, you brought up frequencies i so when i edit the podcast i get to watch the frequencies of the show so I'll I like I know who has like the loudest tone of the show because like I'll see the tones and the vibrations oh. on the recording and I'll be able to like because sometimes like okay so like Athena or a few people like their voice is very like it's like it doesn't it doesn't like on the thing with the vibrations thing it's very it just stays down but then other yeah. voices come along and it's like the whole thing is yeah, what, so... what, what do you music types call that the amplitude like so volume? yeah amplitude yeah, amplitude yeah. is what you're measuring volume is the yeah. like more like broad strokes like just what you'd refer to when talking to someone yeah because every time i've heard of they're like oh yeah that's that's like pitch or whatever and i'm like oh it sounds like amplitude but now it makes okay so for me it's just completely different because completely different world of uh where i you know work out of so i'm like if yeah, if we were going to describe it as like light, I guess this is not a perfect analogy, but like the the color you're getting is like your pitch in that case, so that corresponds with a frequency. Mm -hmm. Assuming we're sticking to like visible spectrum of light and not getting into like magenta or something. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> no, we're going into infrared. We're not talking. We're not, we don't. We don't talk about magenta. Um, and uh, like how bright it is would be our amplitude or volume. Ah, uh, okay. okay because you know you had said something about a time like between the frequencies so like when i do the show when i do voiceover i have like 32 seconds to get like as much information out as i can but like it's important because i've noticed that when i go through it like i have to record 6 10 15 times to get it how i want it to sound because things because as i edit i've noticed that you can't just chop you you can't just chop right after somebody says something because there's still like echo there's still tones being heard even as the word trails off and so it's important when i go into edit how to enunciate the words how to get the the sentences across in a way that's within the time frame because i literally i have i am timed to the t on on these things that i do so i guess for people that are in broadcast uh how would we ensure that like at the end of those commercials with the radio where they're, you know, they're like the car payment, blah, 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 they go through this whole thing like super fast. Do they actually do that or do they just speed up the words uh, on post-production for like when they do radio broadcasts, you know, where they're like, and, you know, you know, you know, at the end, you know what I'm talking about, right? You know, it's like super fast. You can't even understand, like you, you can hear what they're saying, but it's so fast that like, 
how can you understand it? You know, if if I were doing it, I would just do it as post production so that you can get one clean take and not worry about someone tripping over their words on a thing that's like encompasses legal liability. <laughs> uh, and that just seems like the least work is like, yeah, just record mm-hmm. it speaking normally and then I'll speed it up later and we'll cram it in at the end. Oh, okay. Well, see, I still, I still, but that'll sound unnatural, like for podcasting, I'll, you know, for the voiceover to get the timing depth. So how can we practice to enunciate words in a way and, and tone it right to where like it all gets out, but it still sounds good. And you're not speeding up your words really quick at the end like that to try to get it out, you know, you know? How? Now, we're, now we're getting into like performance questions. Yeah, uh, sorry. Enunciation. Not enunciating everything. Not all of us want to say the whole word. I do. Like, I yeah. Know. If you if you want that, like the clarity, that's just mm-hmm. about like making sure that your phonemes are all there, which is probably mostly accomplished by doing some warm ups and making sure that like everything's feeling nice and fluid and loose. <laughs> Okay, and then my this is my and last. For layman, sorry, but a, a phoneme just means a single. <laughs> a phoneme is just a single sound, like ah. Uh, uh, but see, even okay. what you just did, where you said p, that's uh-huh. already two phonemes. That's p oh. and that's uh. Anyway, just oh, wanted. No. To... <laughs> okay, okay, so 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 this is not on the question list, but how, I've always wanted to know. How can I make my voice sound like the people on the news? How can I make my voice have that that production, that that broadcast? How? Because I'm I want to do it, so you know, so I'm gonna learn. So I would like to learn the right way. That transatlantic. How, how right. Welcome that, to ABC News tonight. My name is Lauren Bacall, and we're gonna be talking about like that kind of that kind of presence in the sound. Yeah, but, but yeah, like definitely, like on the radio, like you know, I I I sometimes can do that, but I. I, I listen back so much, so I judge myself a lot because I, you know, hundreds of hours I get to listen, so it's a lot. But how how can somebody like somebody that wants to go into broadcasting, how can they begin to get their voice to that that register that's like really professional and really like like produced, like like the NFL, like those NFL announcers? Oh my God, they've got a voice. How do they? How I want that. Uh, the rough answer is uh, practice. No, you. I didn't want to say it. I didn't but how do I practice? How do I do that? How do I start? How do? Um, welcome you, back. The very direct, the very direct way for most people is that humans, broadly speaking, are pretty good vocal mimics. We're pretty good at imitating sounds other people are doing. When we're like teaching music, for instance, we're like, okay, we're kind of sing a song, and we're trying to like teach an association with pitch. People are so much better at matching a human voice than they are like a piano. It's like, oh, so you just like sing it to them. And people are like, even from like extremely young age are like pretty good at like getting at least like a rough association. They're like, okay, I can get like higher or lower. We can get that association and they can start matching and then they can sing songs with like a limited range. And it goes on from there. There's, uh, I'm curious what Brittany's opinions are on uh, Gordon music learning theory, but it's like, <laughs> I have no idea what that is. What is that? Oh, Gordon's uh, music learning theory. Uh, it's just like a, it's a framework for uh, like. Oh, I, I did my music ed degree. I'm like scared to say this, but I did. I finished my music ed degree in 2013. So I bet all y'all have some way cooler <laughs> new stuff that I'm too old for at this point. Oh, okay. Didn't mean to put you on the spot there. I just, the last person that I brought music learning theory to uh, was my choir teacher in high school. And she was like, I have opinions. Oh, okay. So then I'm just ignorant because clearly if you're high school. No, but what is that? I've never heard of that. 
Um, so like sort of chunks. Um, I'm I'm gonna like butcher this because it's also been a second since I like sat down with it. Um, but it chunks the uh process of learning music into like these like bite sized like uh symbolic association and uh, like verbal associations for starting when you use like solfege, do mi re fa mi sol fa la, etc. Like okay, can we get like association between a sound like a, a some syllable and a pitch and can we like get that like locked in there um but it starts at like can they distinguish between like low and high sounds and can they match those low and high sounds can we operate like in a like a like small space can we like put some notes in front of them and have them like clap out a rhythm or whatever it's it's, uh, it's like all those like steps so what what i will what i do here in that is what we learn in speech pathology, which is just, um, which is just hearing instruction, right? Like starting at the phoneme level. So everything we do with the voice, you start at the phoneme level, you move to a syllable, then you move to a word, then you move to, but mm. maybe it's that I've literally never heard of that. That's cool though. I'm glad that there's people are talking about learning theory. Um, kind of a silver lining to have, um, a, a non-passing voice is it helps me gauge my passability in other aspects. Like I've had a few instances where a random man will approach me on the street and try to hit on me and then hear my voice and look absolutely dumbfounded. And I'm like, oh, I'm a, I must be looking real good today. Hey, all right. Also, it's just, it's satisfying to mess with creepy strangers. So that was my dream. Nothing. That was my dream before transitioning is I always just wanted to be like that Drake and Josh episode where like, Josh just pulled aside a beautiful woman and then and then they were like, hey, baby. And I was like, that's going to be me. I was like, I want to do that. Like, I just, yeah, I want to confuse people. And it's making me think about, um, I hope that someday, I think we're moving in this direction where if and when people are able to start their transition before going through puberty, I think it'll be really interesting to see the future of voices when people don't have to have their laryngees impacted by testosterone and puberty and they just stop the growth of their larynx. Like, I wonder if gender affirming voice will be less prevalent in the future as we like help, um, help people transition before having to go through puberty. Oh, no. oh yeah that's like one of the things I'm, I like it, it's, Oh, sorry. It gets me really excited because that's like one of the major things that you see, like when it comes to like the Republicans, they make all these complaints about certain things like, oh, trans women in, in sports, trans voices, trans not being passable, stuff like that. And it's like, well, that's why we want to allow people who are young enough make the decision, because if given the opportunity, knowing now, like if I had the information that I know now back then, I would have definitely have hopped on, you know, the hormones way sooner. But it just wasn't common knowledge. And I think a lot of people won't have to go through surgeries and trainings and all this stuff because we'll be able to just take those pills at a younger age. But they fight us every step of the way. Right. It's like they're trying to have have both things. Uh, well, so many, so much more than, than just both things. But yeah. You can see that pain, like you just got a migraine thinking about them in like two seconds flat. You're like, great. I mean, a, a cis migraine, a cis privilege migraine. I can't imagine what the migraine is like when you don't have the privilege. Oh, oh I just get so crazy. 
Um, I, I did want to ask, um, we've, we, we've talked a little bit about, um, trans visibility and, um, it, it feels like a lot of, uh, trans people, they do vocal training, um, because they want to be more passable. And in a lot of aspects, passability is like a, a safety issue. People want to pass so that they get bothered less in society and are less conspicuous. But it also seems like um, the more trans acceptance happens, the um, the less some people feel the need to hit these particular check marks for passability, and more they feel like being themselves. And so I, I'm curious, from from more like kind of activist perspective, um, how does how does um, vocal coaching fit in with the broader push to have more trans visibility? It's a really interesting question uh and one i do kind of struggle with um because so much of my like core teaching philosophy really is centered on constructing a voice that suits like every individual person based on like what their needs are and like like i said i'm really reticent to be gender police i will be gender police for people that specifically ask for it but i, I hate doing it um and like so often like built into these lessons is like can we make a voice that works for you in your you know day-to-day -day life if you're working in a call center there are like certain vocal qualities that just won't really be sustainable in that environment so like can we get due to a point where you're like you have a voice that's comfortable enough to like get you through that and then you can go to, to whatever your like official voice was what you want to be using more casually um like one of the one of the elements is like this like distortion that we get uh it's not like quite vocal fry but it's this like gravelly like qualities very similar to it uh and some people really like this in their voice but it's really not very sustainable like for most people it's like you do that for like any length of time you're like oh my voice is already sore <laughs> um so like trying just trying to like I spend so much time trying to get people to have a voice that they like and that they can work with and like the broad strokes like i'd like people to be at the point where they can just like society be at a point where everyone can just like everyone can chill chill yeah chill yeah. uh but that's yeah it, it gets into like a very similarly muddy area to like what's the like intersectionality of like trans femmes and feminism where it's like oh well like leaning into these like feminine stereotypes and like shaving legs or whatever and it's like that's a very complicated and messy issue but if you're focusing on like an, a person by person basis it's really hard to say like yeah you should do anything you know we actually had a guest on the show that talked about um they are a uh, lucy remembers um anna marie they were on they they spent a lot of time they have a they have um they have phd in chemical engineering and they focus a lot on intersectional trans feminism i found it so i was just thinking about you know these issues that we talk about requires taking a lens of intersectionality to everything and so i found what you said there to be um I just like that we were on the same page because it seems that the forcing of the gender binary is really rooted in white supremacy. So it's everything really. So anyway, uh, Ari, what were you going to say? I, I have a, I have kind of a side tangent question too, for my own personal use. Um, so I, I have different voices for different situations. Like I, uh, 
y'all talked a lot about vocal fry when i'm giving like a presentation in school just the the combination of nerves and trying to maintain some semblance of a feminine voice i get vocal fry like crazy and um uh, another different voice i have is my club voice like i i guess i was at a club yesterday i am i i sound a lot more masculine in a club because i'm trying to project my voice and i can't do that and also be feminine so what are what are some pointers you would give for consistency consistency um well so on the public speaking angle uh that one is practice it's getting that like experience of like okay how like navigate my voice in a situation where like there's a lot of nerves um one of the things that can be helpful for that is like doing uh called cognitive load exercises or we're giving our brain some task that is reasonably taxing like a, a really basic example would be uh, reciting the alphabet backwards if you haven't done that before, that takes some like thinking. So it's like, okay, can you maintain a target voice while also doing this like cognitively difficult task? And that can be like an approximation for like trying to keep a voice consistent under stress. Um, obviously, these like most of these exercises like kind of fizzle out after a certain amount of time. Like, you, if you decided to help a bit backwards enough times, it stops being challenging. It stops being helpful for this particular purpose, but. Um, there's tons of them. They're pretty easy to find online. Um, but yeah, just like doing stuff like that is like, that's like the public speaking side of that. For projection, yeah. it's like very much its own. I'll, I'll, I'll throw you in a second. Uh, uh, projection is kind of like its own like bugbear of like how your voice relates um, and like to how you relate to your voice and how like you create your volume and access to projection can like vary from pitch to pitch. So if I'm like trying to project my voice and it's up in my, uh, like up in my call range, it gets like this kind of like shouty quality to it. Mm. Um, and if it's like a little lower, I can project it up more without necessarily getting like shouty with it. It's like definitely louder, but it's not quite a shout. Mm. And that's, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's a lot of personal work. I noticed that when I get loud, I try, I've been trying to get loud and also stay feminine at the same time, staying consistent. But I do notice that when I don't pay attention or I get loud, an accent starts to come out. And I don't know where this accent came from. It may have been my obsessive desire to sound this way when I was in the high school. And maybe it was effective, but I'm I'm not too happy now uh, that I've I use it happens when I get when I get loud and I get you know in in without paying attention I I do, I get in this twang, and so I I don't know Midwest thing I guess so um That's how much. I'm sorry, I was just going to say, no, actually, I was going to talk about twang, because twang is what we use in the voice world. Yeah, twang is what we use intentionally in the voice world to get loud and to get bright resonance without straining the voice. So that's a great instinct. That was actually exactly like if everybody says, hey, y'all, and make it really bright. Uh -huh. Hey, y'all. Uh -huh. Yeah. And so getting louder, but staying in twang. Sorry for what you're going to hear on the recording with <laughs> <laughs> but getting louder and staying in twang is a lot easier than trying to get loud from muscle, right? Which is going to oh get tiring. God. Yes. Oh my god. I 
I thought it was so cool when I was a kid. I was like, oh my god, I want to sound, I want to sound country. And then it just, I, I just, and then one time somebody was like, you sound. They were like, are you from Georgia? And I was like, no. Or I was like, yes, at the time because I was, I was silly. But you know, now I, I look back and I'm like, what was I thinking? So now it's ingrained. Now I have a, now I have that. So that's really cool that 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 that, that plays a role in that. How much? How um. How do accents play a role in vocal coaching and how does that affect um, your teachings when it comes to using your techniques? And then like some people are like, and and then on top of that, can we talk about like what are accents and like, how does it happen? Because how, how does a geological location change your voice? Anyway. That's all socialization, baby. Uh, the, <laughs> um, so that does play a little into um, the lessons I do, um, particularly like how we pronounce our vowels, um, like those phonemes kind of shift around depending on our modality. So if we're in a very masculine mode, uh, at least within my dialect, the Great Lakes, Great Lakes dialect, uh, it all pulls towards uh, 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 it's like the neutral vowel and everything else is influenced by that. Um, if I want to go to this, oh gosh, I, I'm not gonna be able to bust out a vowel chart here. Uh, I want to bust out the IPA vowel chart. <laughs> I think Brittany's losing her mind. Uh, um, but like everything comes like relative to that. So if I go to ooh, that has to be like really like ooh, like this like very pure ooh sound to like read because uh and ooh are, broadly speaking, pretty close together. But e, if we like really interrogate that sound, e, it's like not really e, like it's not like that like very bright, like pure, perfect sound. It's like a weird, muddy, in-betweeny sound, e. Um, so if we're like trying to like say feminize a voice, we're moving that like neutral vowel from uh to like eh, kind of. It's kind of eh sort of and everything like changes from there if i'm saying like the word mood in like a masculine mode mood ooh ooh it's all very like ooh if i'm taking it into a brighter sound mood uh, uh, if we really like take that sound and just isolate it uh, it's, it's just like a mess it's a mess of a sound but because we've shifted the center over to here eh eh mood mood it eh, still reads as ooh even though it's not the same sound. So in what accents, you did there, I like oh. that, that, that one thing you just did right there, it sounded so how I wanted to sound. How did you do that? The, to, mood? Yeah. There, oh, I just heard it. I can't pick up. I don't know what it was, but it was. Oh, it, Caroline, a second ago, you actually responded to what Ash said. You said, how did you do that? And you brightened your resonance just instinctually. Did you notice that? I did. I did notice that. I was like, I did exactly what I was trying to. Yeah, like, oh, exactly. Oh my god! Oh, this is exciting. <laughs> oh my god. Well, so uh, I I sing a lot. So like when I sing in the car, I, I I find singing with with um I can lift my vocal range when I match it with the music. So and I've noticed lately now that I do more of that that my I used to when I sing a song I would always match how. I'd imitate the artist that was doing that, but and so that would, but I don't. I do that. I don't do that now. I, I find consistency in my own voice, and I'm able to register and still the, the feminine aspect, or at least what I think it is, and and I stay in that higher range. And singing really helps with that. It really helps. Like I don't know. I've used singing as as training my voice. I've helped because it it helps me, 
like I don't know. So I just imitate. So that's so cool hearing like that. And I don't know how you do it, but I I like I lift my voice and I try to like push it out. So like I lift it and then I push out. I try not to lean too heavy on the chest because like that's where like I don't want to like be in the throat. So like I've huh. That's so exciting. Uh, up, oh my God. To wrap up that thought, we're talking about accents. Uh, just, just to like put a little pin in that, or not pin, mm-hmm. uh, to put a nice little bow on it. Um, the core of a lot of accent work is finding like the new neutral vowel, like wherever that is. So like if you're writing for like a like very like continental French, kind of like metropolitan, um, mm-hmm. like accent is like, uh, is like the like neutral and like the masculine modality, uh. So speaking here, it is all through this sound. It is like all everything gets pulled towards that. And like every accent has that. They have their own, like each one. And it is like not unreasonable to like conceptualize like masculine versus feminine modality as having a different neutral vowel or basically being its own accent. Um, mm. Obviously not quite as far removed, but like to conceptualize those differences and like cadence as to bring it all the way full circle. Um, that's like not a bad framework for voice for the voice coaching uh realm of things is modality and modulation different and also what is what exactly do y'all mean by modulation because to me i'm just thinking you're taking two signals mashing them together and making an envelope but no clue what the modulation means in this realm so i'm like Mm. modulation and modality okay i know what that means from like a computer science aspect and engineering but i have no clue when it comes towards sound engineering so modulation in our uh the name of our institute is borrowing from the the musical term because we do do like singing lessons um it refers to like working our way through different keys um modality i'm using just to mean like a, a different it's a different mode you oh, okay. Mode yeah, I just didn't know. Mode. I didn't know because I don't know. I don't know if there's like a standard vernacular that is used for stuff or like standard measures outside of the normal uh, SI stuff. So I'm like, huh, should I ask questions? So um, I had a series of uh, unfortunate events last week and I lost my voice and it very much, um, it, it capped, it fracked. And like I, I remember calling up to the to the upstairs for my my partner, and I was like, "Come down!" And it was so like I lost it. That's why I wasn't on the show last week. I was so disappointed. Uh, and or last month, any sometime at a different time. And I so that leads into this last part that I wanted to talk about, which was vocal care and how to take care of your voice. And as we train it, sometimes DIY and um, also in an institution setting. How do we take care of a voice? Um, the the big like challenging ways to do that are reducing vocal tension and finding like a voice that is like generally very sustainable, um, fairly low effort. That's like we mentioned like that twang. If your voice has to mm-hmm. get loud, finding a way to access that without it being like a strained experience. Mm-hmm. Um, those yeah. are like the, the the big brain ways. Uh, but the the really direct way is uh, when your voice uh, stops working, uh, stop using it. Because that this leads this this is real. This you just like triggered a memory in the military. Does it was anybody else in the military? No, through boot camp. No. Okay. Well, if you're li- to the listeners. Listen to to what Ash is saying because if you recall back to your your basic training days, 
it's like the opposite. They're like, oh yeah, we want you to get louder. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna have you yell until your voice gives out, and then they have you drink lots of lemon, like just lime juice or lemon juice. No. Yeah, that's that's what I want to listen to a lot of. Nothing that we eat or drink (laughs) passes over the vocal folds. It's different tubes. I know. I know. I know. You have an esophagus and a larynx for reasons, but it's funny. I know. I know. I'm glad you. I'm glad you know that. I'm glad you know that. Hilarious, because back in the day, you'd be out in the field yelling as loud as you could. That's why a lot of those military people have those really gruffy, messed up voices. Like, oh, we're going to go do something today. And you're like, oh, wow, Virginia Slims? Like, what were you smoking? I, I mean, that's the, another thing about military culture is uh, yeah. smoking. <laughs> Smoking's there as well. Uh, yeah, like don't, some... don't smoke if you can avoid it. That's pretty bad <laughs> for your voice. Uh, and vaping. Vaping is just as bad. I can't help it. it. It was just all those years of military stuff. Well, uh, so that's a that's a good that's a good that's a good segue there. So, what are some misconceptions about uh, our voice that that we should take into consideration, and some things that you know how how do you address those misconceptions to your clients? I mean, the the probably first and biggest one is that like pitch is kind of the least gendered. Like it is a cue that we take. It is an aspect of voice that is gendered, but it's sort of the least gendered. So when I'm personally working with people, that's that is as I mentioned before, pushing it to the end of the lessons and being like, just don't worry about it. It's fine. Um, but if you're doing like personal work, uh, not hyper fixating on pitch. Um, pitch is tricky. It dogs a lot of people who are like getting into like singing, for instance. Like a really common thing is that people go like, ah, and they'll like reach their chin up or they'll like tense their face up. They'll, they'll do something. But at the end of the day, the musculature that handles pitch is like tiny and it's all like contained like in here. It's just, like, it's minuscule. You can't really feel it except for like pain i guess and if you're feeling pain stop whatever you're doing uh don't, don't do it if it's causing you pain i but, like pain we don't... Was leaving the body <laughs> <laughs> but we like we don't get a lot of feedback so it's like don't, try to not hyper focus on this the more we fix mm-hmm. on it the more we tense up trying to make things happen um just find like a comfortable like middle of the road pitch and work on everything else you'll find far more gender euphoria there than trying to like just get like trying to get your pitch up higher and higher um there's diminishing returns on that and eventually a hard cap when you hit like call range uh which is just a point where like the voice basically you like have to you have to go one of two ways you either lighten up the voice quite a lot to like have it speak or you go into this like shouty space and like in between is like not really accessible or not very accessible um that's like not a comfortable place to speak so at a certain point like your voice doesn't go any higher like comfortably with speaking so just like find a comfortable place that's like high enough to get you to gender euphoria potentially and then focus on everything else wow well i think that we are nearing the time where we need to wrap up but before we do that um i'd like to ask ash final question and then aria has a few parting words for us and then um, we'll be good to, to stop recording. But Ash Zvonum, did I say that right? Yes, I you did. did. You got oh it. my God, yay. So I am so glad that, that you were able to hear, be here with us today. And Brittany, Brittany Farrell, you are here with us before. I'm so glad you're back. And it was so nice having you here with us. It's It really, your presence is so uh, delightful. So I hope you'll come back again as a guest co-host with us. 
Yes. Oh my God. We love that. I love that so much. So Lucy, Aria, thank you so much for being here with us today on the show, the trans narrative podcast and Ash before we uh, depart, I just, I always like to ask every guest just a generic, like, you know, how do we move forward? Especially, you know, this is, this it's pride month and we are facing a lot of, um, um, a lot of bad stuff in our community. A lot's going on in this world. We spend a lot of time talking about, you know, um, passability, cis passing, how to, um, you know, develop our voices in a way that's gender euphoric for ourselves and focal care. And so I guess I'd like to ask, you know, considering everything that we've talked about and in light of current situations, current events, how would you suggest we'd move forward, um, you know, in our day-to-day lives to navigate this very chaotic time? As savvy as it is, take care of each other and take care of yourself, at least as well. I wanted to say uh, thank you so much for joining us on the Trans Narrative Podcast, everybody who's listening. I am Aria Lackey, and on behalf of our passionate and dedicated activists and advocates on our show, we hope you enjoyed our conversation with Ash Zonum. If you want to learn more about Ash's work, you can check out their websites and social media page, and we will include links to our show notes so that you can easily find them. And uh, before we go, we want to remind you to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform, whether it's Apple, Audible, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google, YouTube, or Carrier Pigeon. We are there on all of them. And And, DVD soon. And DVD, VHS, maybe, you know, fingers crossed. Um, and uh, remember that the trans narrative podcast where we shift the trans narrative to a more inclusive and representative space with an emphasis on accessibility, intersectionality, inclusion, diversity, and equality. Uh, we explore a variety of topics related to the queer community by building empathetic bonds through shared conversations and meaningful discourse. We are able to elevate often marginalized voices to the forefront and educate here on the Trans Narrative Podcast. Thank you for joining. I think I did pretty good at reading a thing for a change. I'm going to give myself a nice pat on the back and I'm going to kick it back to you, Caroline. Hey, everyone. If you like this episode of the Trans Narrative Podcast, be sure to subscribe, like, and follow. More importantly, share with your friends. Today's episode was recorded on May 27, 2023 via Zoom. Today's show was co-hosted by Aria Lackey, Caroline Penny, and Lucy Balzano. Today's guest co-host was Brittany Farrell. Today's guest was Ash Zvonum. The Trans Narrative Podcast was created by Caroline Penny. This episode was edited, directed, and produced by Caroline Penny. The Trans Narrative Podcast was co-developed by Aria Lackey, Athena Permacus, and Lucy Balzano. Research provided by Athena Permacus, Caroline Penny, Mar New, Nikita Robinson, and Noah Buchanan. Music provided by Gamma Skies titled Get Up Again. The music you hear now has been created and produced by Athena Permakas. This episode of the Trans Narrative Podcast was brought to you by Spotify for Podcasters, the easiest way to upload a podcast. Thank you for supporting this show. For more details about this episode, go to the description linked below. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, now available on YouTube. Subscription for exclusive content available. Be sure to go to anchor.fm slash trans narrative. If you'd like to reach out to learn more, be a guest, or are looking to get involved with the show, 
email us at transnarrativepodcast at gmail.com. That's transnarrativepodcast at gmail.com.